have been compelled to create a permanent armaments industry of vast proportion. We must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence by the military-industrial complex. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. Whether we believe in our capacity for self-government or whether we abandon the American Revolution and confess that a little intellectual elite can plan our lives for us better than we can plan them ourselves. That the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. 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 Off-gridders, homesteaders, and the like. Welcome to the Ops Bunker, a podcast for preppers. Leave us a voicemail to get on the show, speakpipe.com slash OPS. Email us at shtf at opsbunker.com. Visit our site, opsbunker.com. I want to thank you guys for joining us. If you're new to the show, welcome to the bunker. If you enjoy listening to the show, please consider leaving us a five-star review. Those five-star reviews and downloads get calculated and help decide the order in which podcasts appear in the search list. Good or bad, of course, good is better. Five stars is best. Your feedback is much appreciated. Guys, sorry about the show being a day late. Uh, as you can tell from my voice, I, I kind of went hoarse yesterday and I really wasn't able to record the, the podcast. So instead of doing it on Monday, I'm now doing it on Tuesday morning. So uh, I had to uh, readjust some of the news uh, for this podcast because things changed overnight uh, drastically. And, um, you know, sorry for my voice, but it is what it is. And we're just going to move on with it. We're going to start with a speak pipe message. This comes from 4,000 miles away from Frank Deegan of the Irish Prepper Group. Here's Frank. Good afternoon, good evening, if I don't see you later on, good night. This is me over here on the old Irish side, Frank reporting. Just saying Happy New Year to all you guys, Keith and Rhonda, and uh, all the listeners out there in uh, Prepperland. How are you all going? Uh, Keith, I left two messages on SpeakPipe there last week or the week before, and I'm, I'm not sure why they got through. So um, I've also left two on Messenger there, just to, it's just in relation to what, uh, prepping gear we have in the vans and vehicles so um i have two grenade boxes loaded to the brim with with the uh, stuff it's not much but there's about 20 items in each one so each item has, has a purpose i've used them a few times you know every now and then so um yeah nothing else to report over here we've no snow it's just rain 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 lovely rain yeah have a good new year guys i'm sure we'll talk to you next year 2024 
Keep safe, lads. Bye-bye. Thank you, Frank, for being part of the show tonight. It's always great to hear from the most famous prepper survivalist in Ireland. Shout out to us anytime. Now, you guys can message us at speakpipe.com slash OPS and get on the show. If you want to be a guest on the show, it's as simple as reaching out to us via email, shtf at opsbunker.com. It's as easy as that. We'll contact you and set up a time for the guest spot. Guys, tonight we need to discuss the 2024 presidential election. Former President Donald Trump is leading the polls by huge margins. Let's talk about that. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Military industrial conflict. And we as a people will get to the promised land. We will make America strong again, proud again, safe again. We will make America great again. Leave us a voicemail to get on the show, speakpipe.com slash OPS. Email us at shtf at opsbunker.com. Visit our site, opsbunker.com. The New York Times reports that Trump leads in the five critical battleground states as voters showed disapproval for Joe Biden as president. Voters in battleground states said that they trusted Donald Trump over President Biden on the economy, foreign policy, and immigration as Joe Biden's multiracial base shows signs of fraying. They go on to say that President Biden is trailing Donald Trump in five of the six most important battleground states one year before the 2024 election, suffering from enormous doubts that his age and deep dissatisfaction over his handling of the economy and a host of other issues. The results of recent polls show Joe Biden losing to Mr. Trump, his likeliest Republican rival, by margins of 4 to 10 percentage points among registered voters in Arizona, Georgia, Michigan, Nevada, and Pennsylvania. Joe Biden is ahead only in the far-left, never-Trumper state of Wisconsin by only two percentage points. Across the six battleground states, all of which Joe Biden carried in 2020, the president now trails by an average of 48% behind President Trump. Discontent pulsates throughout the polls, with a majority of voters saying that Joe Biden's policies have personally hurt them. These surveys also reveal the extent to which the multiracial and multigenerational coalition that elected Joe Biden is fraying at an unprecedented rate. Democratic groups that backed Joe Biden by landslide margins in 2020 are now far more closely contested, as two-thirds of the electorate sees the country moving in the wrong direction with him at the helm. Voters under 30 favor Mr. Biden by only a single percentage point. His lead among Hispanic voters is down to single digits and his advantage in urban areas is half of Mr. Trump's edge in rural regions. And while women still favor Mr. Biden, men preferred Mr. Trump by twice as large a margin, reversing the gender advantage that has fueled so many Democratic gains in recent years. The Wall Street Journal, referring to their most recent poll writes, President Biden's political standing is at its weakest point of his presidency, with voters giving him his lowest job performance marks and favoring Donald Trump for the first time in a head-to-head test of the likely 2024 presidential matchup. As the 2024 presidential race draws closer to primaries and caucuses getting underway, former President Donald Trump holds a commanding lead over his competitors, while former United States Ambassador and South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley moves into second place, and Florida Governor Ron DeSantis into third. Among Republicans and Republican-leading voters, 48% support Trump. 20% support Haley, 16% support DeSantis. And former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie and pharmaceutical entrepreneur Vivek Ramaswamy 
have removed themselves from the presidential race, both stating a no-win scenario. The first caucus of the election season opened Monday night in Iowa, leading to President Donald Trump winning the Republican position by twice as many points as was originally expected. This is a huge win for Trump, setting the stage for future caucuses and primaries scheduled throughout the next few months. So what are caucuses? Are they the same as primaries? States can hold either primaries or caucuses as part of the presidential nomination process. Both processes allocate delegates based on the percentage of vote received by candidates. Now, states can hold either primaries or caucuses as part of the presidential nomination process. Both processes allocate delegates based on the percentage of the vote received by candidates. At the National Party Convention, the candidate with the most delegates becomes the party nominee. Caucuses are run by the state party while primaries are run by the state. A caucus is a political meeting with a vote, as opposed to a primary, which is an election. So how do Republican caucuses work? A representative from each campaign is allowed to give a short speech in support of its candidate, and then ballots are handed out to the caucus goers, who vote by secret ballot. The ballots are then collected and counted in open view of the caucus. A campaign representative is allowed to view the counting, but members of the press are not. After the results are tabulated, they are recorded on a form by the caucus secretary and announced by the precinct chair and then submitted electronically to the Iowa Republican Party. So who can participate in caucuses? Well, registered Republicans who are eligible to vote on election day or who will be 18 years old by election day may participate in the caucuses. An independent or Democrat may also register as a Republican on caucus night to participate. Every four years, American states hold either a primary election or caucuses, part of which is to choose that state's top Republican and Democratic presidential candidates. So what's the difference between the two? Caucuses are elections run by political parties, while primaries are run by state governments. In an open primary, registered voters select whichever candidate they want, regardless of party affiliation. In a closed primary, voters must be registered with a political party, and they can only select a candidate within their selected party. But caucuses are different. In some caucuses, secret ballots are cast, while in others, people openly show support for their favorite candidate. Caucus goers gather to debate issues and share concerns. Caucus goers in Iowa's Democratic Caucus gather in groups to support their chosen candidate. If after the first round of grouping, a candidate doesn't have 15% support, they are deemed non-viable, and supporters in their group must either join another candidate's group or convince caucus goers in other groups to join theirs until 15% is reached. You got to tell us the difference between a primary and a caucus. What's the major difference? The major difference is in a primary, you engage in the solitary act of voting. You can do it at the polls. You could do it by absentee. And in many states, like my home state of Maryland, you can vote early. The whole idea behind a caucus is to make it communal rather than solitary. You actually have to go to a meeting where you discuss and debate the candidates before you vote. And it could take several hours of your time, energy, and effort. And that's the whole idea behind a caucus, to get persons more involved in the political process. Uh, One thing that's interesting, Nevada is the only state in the nation that holds both a primary on on February 6th this year and a caucus two days later, February 8th. First question is why? And second question, how could that possibly impact uh, the Republican race? Well, Nevada typically in recent elections 
has been a caucus state. Mm -hmm. But in 2021, the legislature mandated a primary. But the parties didn't want to give up the caucus. The caucus still selects the delegates. And the primary will take place, but it's primarily a beauty contest, as we call it, for bragging rights rather than for delegates. If they decide to join the caucus on Monday, do they have to now register with the GOP in order to cast their vote? You have to be a regular, a registered Republican in order to attend the Iowa caucuses, which is very different from the second in the nation, which is a primary in New Hampshire, where independents can vote in whichever primary they choose. And obviously, with all the action on the Republican side, you're going to get a lot of independents coming into New Hampshire. So Iowa and New Hampshire are kind of the alpha and the omega of the selection process. Okay, how important is the 2024 election? We heard this in 2016, again in 2020, and now again in 2024. Let's do a quick breakdown. 2016, the most important election of our lives, Trump wins and begins with his promise to make America great again. Unprecedented economic boom. Tax relief for the middle class. Massive deregulation and ended the regulatory assault on American businesses and workers. Secured historic trade deals to defend American workers. Energy independence for America. Investments in American workers and families. Advanced life-saving responses to the China virus. Great health care for Americans. Achieved a secure southern border. Restored American leadership abroad. Colossal rebuilding of the military. Reformed Department of Veterans Affairs in favor of our veterans. Signed into law landmark criminal justice reform. Unprecedented support for law enforcement. Worked tirelessly to prevent government funding of abortion. Invested over $38 billion in clean water infrastructure. Expanded educational opportunities for all Americans. Brought attention and support to combat the opioid crisis. Record stock market numbers and record 401ks. Every presidential decision made by Trump was always America first. And the list goes on and on and on. 2020, the most important election of our lives. Biden wins and begins the downward spiral of America as one of the world's superpowers. Open southern border with more than 5.4 million illegal immigrants that we know of that have entered the U.S. Immigration chaos deep within the United States. Skyrocketing debt for middle America. Ballooning debt for the U.S. Worst economy in decades. 20% inflation rate over three years. Unaffordable food, gas, and medical costs. Families forced to live paycheck to paycheck. Highest level of inflation since Jimmy Carter's administration in the late 1970s. Wokeism over American values. Biden declared MAGA Republicans as a wicked, evil, unpatriotic threat to American democracy. That's half of Americans. Shutting down U.S. oil production to buy Russian oil. Hundreds of billions of American tax dollars went to the corrupt Ukraine government with no oversight. Failure to de-escalate the Putin-Ukraine war. Failure to de-escalate the Hamas terrorist war against Israel. Depleting U.S. oil reserves to gain better public opinion. Disastrous evacuation of Afghanistan, giving eight-plus billion dollars worth of advanced military hardware to the Taliban terrorist group to use against the U.S. and the U.S. allies. Complete failure of Bidenomics. 
dramatic drop in confidence from U.S. allied nations, America becoming the butt end of jokes internationally. Proof has been given that Joe Biden and his family are as corrupt as they come. Complete and total failure to perform the duties of the presidential office. 2024, coming up. The most important election for the American people. Now, history and his record shows that only President Donald Trump is capable of getting us out of the seemingly impossible position that not only Joe Biden put us in, but the stolen 2020 election results put us in. The whole world knows it, including Democrats, even the ones who refuse to admit it. They know it, too. My prepper brothers and sisters, you should know by now and expect from me on this show total support for Trump 2024 as long as he's running for president. If you disagree with that, that's okay. We encourage friendly debate and everyone's freedom to decide on who they want to support. But that doesn't change the fact that we will be discussing the 2024 election process as it progresses until November. If anyone wishes to plead their case against President Trump, by all means, let's get you on the show to discuss that. Or at the very least, jump on our Facebook group, Ops Bunker. Uh, Become a member and join any one of the discussion groups going on out there. Plenty of people would love to debate you on that. But as for tonight, let's continue. Here's Donald Trump speaking in Iowa at a small town hall meeting just before the start of the Iowa Republican caucuses. Well, first of all, I think he's been a disaster as a president. He's the worst president in the history of our country. Uh, The happiest person around right now is Jimmy Carter. I've been saying this because he uh, looks like a brilliant president by comparison, like literally brilliant by comparison to this guy. Uh, There's never been anybody like him. Uh, Now we have another war going on in the Middle East just started up and uh, we have our Uh, Secretary of Defense is sitting in a hospital room looking at his laptop. That's how he's running the war, like Uh. a child would look at a laptop. It's uh, disgraceful what's going on. It's a disgrace, and uh, Bidenomics is the least of it, but it's been a disaster for the country. Uh, Inflation's now going up again. But really, look at the inflation that's taken place over the last three years. I was looking today. Energy's up at 38 percent, and food's up 30, 32 percent. Everything's up. It's not going to come down. They're not going to get it down. Even if they got it even right now, it doesn't matter. The damage is all done. No matter what you make, no matter how much your your salary went up, it's peanuts compared to when you look at these all these uh, things. They were talking about housing prices. They were talking about uh, rental. Uh, If you rent an apartment anywhere in the country, you're up 40 percent and that you can't make up for that. Uh, he's been a disaster as a president, and uh, we're spending money hand over fist in Ukraine, as an example. And yet, uh, Europe, you add it up, it's a similar size economy as ours. Europe is not spending anything by comparison. We're in for $200 billion, or they're in for $22 billion. So it's a very unfair thing. Very bad things are happening for our country. I don't think we've ever been in danger of World War III like we are right now. And I always say, and I say it in every speech, I will prevent World War III. I know all these people. I know good, bad, or indifferent. It doesn't make any difference. I know every one of them, and they're not going to mess around with us. We are weak. We are ineffective. We're left at as a country, and Bidenomics is a total disaster. If Biden got his way and he allowed your Trump tax cuts to just expire. Well, you'd have the biggest tax increase in the history of our country. It will be devastating to people that will, on top of inflation and what's happened, and basically a bad economy. You know, it's a bad economy. It's not a real economy. Uh, You look at government jobs are up, but other jobs aren't up. But government jobs, well, government jobs, that's, you know, that's easy to do. Let's hire more people so we look good. That's like taking the uh, oil out of the strategic reserves. They take it out of the big, we have the lowest uh, 
amount of oil in the strategic reserves right now than we've ever had. And that's not meant for automobiles for an election. That's meant for military. That's meant for trouble, big trouble in our country. It's meant to protect us. And, uh, you know, they practically drained it in the last election in order to keep uh, prices down. They're trying to do the same thing again. These, uh, they, they have done such damage to our country. And then we start talking about the border, okay, mm -hmm. the border. And we had the worst border in the history of the world. We had the safest border, the best border. I built over 500 miles of wall. People don't, you know, they say, is it a renovation or not a renovation? It's not a renovation. We had a wall that was falling down, demolished, uh, rusted steel, uh, rotted out two by fours, would rip it out. They'd say, oh, that was a renovation when we go up 30 feet high and nine feet deep. Uh, now, we built over 500 miles of wall. We were going to build another 200 miles, which is far more than I said I was going to do. And Mexico, by the way, speaking about Mexico, Mexico paid for 28,000 soldiers, and they were paying much more money than they would have paid for the war. There was no legal mechanism to do the war, but it didn't matter because they paid much more money. Uh, we had stay in Mexico, not stay. We had stay in Mexico. We kept people in Mexico. Nobody ever did that before, and Mexico behaved, but Mexico had to behave because I was going to tariff them if they didn't, and they were fine. They were actually very good. I like the president a lot. I mean, we get along very well. But Mexico paid a big price to give us the, the best border that we've ever had in the history of our country. That included drugs. That included terrorists coming in. I saw an interesting stat on a number of the shows. Uh, in 2019, they had no terrorists, zero, which I was frankly surprised to hear that. But that was during my term. We had very strong blockages and blocks. Uh, so we had nothing. And now we have record numbers of terrorists coming in, record numbers. We had none. I mean, they actually said zero. This is not me, because I would have said it's got to be somebody, somebody. But they had nobody. And uh, we had a safe country. We had no attacks. We had no anything. I defeated ISIS. We wiped out ISIS. That was supposed to take four years. I did it in a few months. We have a great military when we have the right people. And we have the right people. I know the right people. They're not the television people, not the people that you're reading about, not the person that's now in a hospital uh, running this war from his laptop, which is what I understand he's doing, if he's running it at all. I'm not sure about that, but uh, that was a terrible thing. Five days, we didn't have any idea where our Secretary of Defense was, and we had people wanting to attack our country. So it's, pretty, it's a pretty sad situation. We've never been in a position of risk like we are right now, in many ways, but never like we are right now. Very interesting, because if he just would have left it, he could have gone to the beach because he likes going to the beach. Somebody says he looks good in a bathing suit. That works for him, obviously. So you'd see him at the beach all the time. He could have done that, just left it alone, leave our people there, leave the great people that we had there. And instead, they decided to, we're not going to build the wall. And they put out a message to the world, come in. Because, you know, when you say that and you say other things, and you have people coming in and going to our schools and taking our, the places of our students, where they're actually putting our students, the students that were there, in secondary schools, and they're taking the best seats, and they don't even speak English. So they're sitting there, they don't speak English. The whole thing is crazy. You look at what's happened in New York. New York is a disaster right now, and in all fairness, the mayor understands that, and he's saying that, but you know, some don't speak up, some aren't speaking up. Uh, the whole concept of sanctuary cities is gonna, I think it's gonna fall of its own weight. I think the Democrats aren't gonna be able to take it much longer. Uh, in some cities, Democrat mayors and governors are saying, well, we just can't do this anymore. The truth is, it's not sustainable for this country, even from a cost standpoint. Billions and billions of dollars. 
People are coming in, and they're coming in from prisons. They're coming in from mental institutions, insane asylums. Uh, they're terrorists. They're, they're drug dealers. They're pouring into our country totally unchecked. We have no idea who's coming in. They're coming in from many countries, all parts of the world. They're coming from Africa. They're coming from China. They're coming from all parts of Asia. Uh, a lot of people coming from Europe. A lot of people coming from Yemen. Okay, where we're bombing right now. We have people from Yemen. We had 26, 27,000 people coming in over the last few months from China, and they happen to be from the age of about 19 to 25, just fighting age. That's great, you know. Not women, all men, uh, and uh, it's a very, very sad thing happening to our country. Our country is being overtaken. We're being invaded. That's an invasion. We had the strongest border, and now we have the weakest border, and it's an invasion of our country. And Biden is grossly incompetent. The only thing they know how to do is cheat on elections. They're very good at cheating on elections, and they're very good at also going after your political opponent. But they can't do anything else. That's all they're good at. And we're going to teach them a lesson. How do you secure the border and reverse Biden's disaster? Well, we'd go right back to what we were doing. Again, we had the safest border in the history of our country. And, and if you remember, because I remember it, it was all ready to go. And they said, we don't want it. And they actually moved the wall away. And in many cases, it's very expensive stuff. It's exactly what Border Patrol wanted. It's steel, concrete, and rebar. It had to have uh, spikes in it. It had to have... Uh, it's very complicated wall. It's a very expensive... They sold it for five cents on the dollar. They got rid of it, I think, like scrap metal. And it's not even believable. Uh, all they had to do is fill up the gaps. We're going to fill up the gaps, and we're going to end up actually building more. We're going to work with Mexico, but Mexico is not working with us right now. They want to be paid a lot of money. They said, we want $5 billion to start talking to the United States. They would never say that to me. They want five. The people are pouring through Mexico, and they want five to talk. And Every time Blinken goes over there or somebody goes over there, it costs us a lot of money. The money that we spend dealing with countries, we give them billions and billions of dollars, and then they don't listen to us. They don't do what we say. And I remember when China, China respected us three years ago a lot. They really respected us. And uh, the first meeting they had where they were lectured to by President Xi and China, they were, we were lectured like we were children. And that would never happen with me, and it never did. Uh, given the thousands of unvetted illegals that are coming across our southern border every day, why are Nikki Haley's comments dangerous and naive? Well, she's a globalist, and she works with Koch. Uh, it used to be Koch brothers. You know, David Koch I knew very well. He was a nice guy, a member of my clubs and everything else. He was a, a big supporter in that way. But uh, they're globalists. I'm not. I'm a make America great again. I'm a America first people. It's just America first. It's so simple. I put America first. I always did, and I always will. And frankly, we spend trillions of dollars to other countries. Many of these countries don't respect us. They don't like us. They don't do what we tell them to do. And I stopped that whole process. But Nikki is a person that's getting a lot of her money from globalists, and globalists are not good for our country. They're not good for us. I know Nikki very well. She was my uh, ambassador to the United Nations. And she had a lot of weakness, to be honest. She had a lot of weakness. In fact, I'm not a fan of Chris Christie. I thought he was, you know, third rate. He left with a 9% approval rating. New Jersey, a great state, which I hope to win. I hope we're going to win it. But he made some statements that uh, she's not going to make it. The, you know, the, the so-called hot mic. And I don't know if that was a hot mic on purpose or not. I doubt it. <laughs> I doubt it. But it was a, certainly a hot mic. 
Uh, I don't think Nikki's strong enough to be president. I know her very well. I know her better than anybody. I moved her there from the governor of South Carolina, and I moved Henry McMaster in. And one of the reasons I gave her that job is I wanted Henry McMaster to be governor. He was lieutenant governor. He's fantastic. You know him. And uh, he's done a great job, but that was one of the reasons I moved her. Uh, and she did okay. She was okay, but she's not strong enough to be president. Good stuff, good stuff. Now, here's some excerpts from the live coverage of the Iowa caucus where President Trump was leading by 48%. New early forecasting has Trump leading in New Hampshire by 44%. Well, it was a terrific night for Donald Trump, and I think it uh, ends any of the speculation that uh, voters don't want Donald Trump to be the nominee. Clearly, they do. He won all 99 counties. It was a slam dunk. He exceeded the expectations. If he'd have been under 50%, which still would have been the largest margin in the history of the caucuses since 1988 and Bob Dole, uh, they still, the press would still have said, well, he underperformed. Well, he didn't underperform last night. He did great. Is two things will happen if you don't win the way the press says you need to. One, your donors dry up. And two, the press ignores you. And then, no matter how well you're doing and what traction you may be getting, your race is over. And so the challenge for both Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis, can they overcome that narrative if they don't just do explicitly well in New Hampshire and then go on to either win one of those uh, cases of New Hampshire or South Carolina, I'm convinced the media will probably say about them. Yes. Uh, they can't win. And once that happens, their donors dry up and it's over. What you make of the, the, the split narrative this morning from the rest of the media, uh, part of the narrative is that, well, you know, the weather impacted turnout. We only saw 110,000 caucus last night in Iowa. Um, the other part that I, I'd like to get your take on is Ron DeSantis lost by 30 points. He, he did finish in second place, but he delivered this Bill Clinton comeback kid-esque speech last night. Does that have an impact for him in New Hampshire in a good way? I, I don't think so, because he put all of his money on the table for Iowa. I mean, he spent most of his money there. He spent all his time there. He really focused on winning Iowa and essentially predicted that he would. It's like Babe Ruth pointing the bat over in left field and saying, that's where I'm going to hit it. Yeah, striking And then out. bunting the ball. Right. So I, I just think that it was a terrible underperformance. And to quote the Bible, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. So the snow and the bad weather hit everybody. It didn't just affect DeSantis voters, Donald Trump's voters, many of whom are older, they still came out. So I just don't buy that argument that the weather affected the outcome. I think the outcome uh, was determined by the intensity of support for Donald Trump that we continue to see across the country. And finally, after a landslide win in the Iowa caucuses, here's a clip of Trump giving his victory speech Monday night. We want to thank the great people of Iowa. Thank you. We love you all. What a turnout, what a crowd. And I really think this is time now for everybody, our country, to come together. We want to come together, uh, whether it's Republican or Democrat or liberal or conservative. It would be so nice if we could come together and straighten out the world and straighten out the problems and straighten out all of the death and destruction that we're witnessing. That's practically never been like this. It's uh, just so important. And I want to make that a very big part of our message. We're going to come together. It's going to happen soon, too. It's going to happen soon. So we're going to come together. We're going to drill baby drill right away. Drill baby drill. 
We're going to seal up the border. Because right now we have an invasion. We have an invasion of millions and millions of people that are coming into our country. I can't imagine why they think that's a good thing. It's a very bad thing. And we're going to have to deport. We're going to have to have a deportation level that we haven't seen in this country for a long time, since Dwight Eisenhower, actually. So we have to stop the invasion. We have to bring down our energy. We have to say, you know, we have, I say all the time, we have more liquid gold under our feet than any other nation anywhere in the world. And we have to stop the crime and we have to help rebuild our cities and we have to rebuild the capital. We're going to straighten out our elections. We're going to do a lot of great things. We're going to try and go to paper ballots as soon as possible. Voter ID. One day, one day elections. You know, we have these elections that last for 62 days. And if you need some more time, take as much time as you want. And so many bad things happen. We're going to rescue our economy. We're going to save our economy. And we're going to get things solved. We're going to get the Ukraine war solved. We're going to get the Israeli situation solved. And we want a country of law and order. So we're going to rebuild the capital of our country, Washington, D.C. We're going to scrub those beautiful marble columns and get the swastikas off them. And we're going to scrub them and get the graffiti off them. And we're going to clean the streets and we're going to rebuild the streets. And we're not going to have rusted medians through the middle that are falling down into the roads where foreign dignitaries from all over the world come and they look. And we're not going to be riding on top of garbage like I did just a month ago, riding on top of garbage. We're going to rebuild our beautiful Washington, D.C., and we're going to take control of it. And we're going to make unbelievably harsh penalties for people that go around shooting. Last week, they shot three people. And every night, something happens. It's, uh, it's so sad. And likewise, we're going to rebuild our cities and we'll work with the Democrats to do it. I'd be glad to work with the people in New York. We're going to work with the people in Chicago and L.A. We're going to rebuild our cities and we're going to make them safe. And we're going to give our police officers immunity. So every time they, they do something, they don't get sued and stopped. We're going to end crime in our cities. In Iowa, you don't know what that means, but I'll tell you, this is a different place. You don't know about crime. You don't know about getting mugged and getting whacked and getting thrown into subways. And we're going to stop it. And we're going to come down very hard on criminals. And we're going to stop crime in America. But you know, the truth is, the people in our country are great. They're all great. It's, uh, we love Iowa, but they're all great. They only want to see one thing. They want our country to come back. They're embarrassed by what's going on. Our country is laughed at. All over the world, they're laughing at us. And they want our country to come back. They want America. You know, they want us to be great again. It's a very simple MAGA, make America great again. And America first. America first is a very important part of MAGA. So we're going to put America first. We're going to make America great again. Again, Iowa, we love you. You are going to, oh, you just go out and buy larger tractors in Moreland. Don't worry about it. And uh, to all of the people standing behind me and all of the people in this room and so many great politicians and great dignitaries and friends, I just want to thank you all. This is a very special night. And this is the first 
because the big night is going to be in November when we take back our country and truly we do make our country great again. Thank you very much, everybody. Great honor. Okay, so here's what The Guardian wrote after Trump's big win in Iowa last night. Donald Trump will continue on to the New Hampshire primaries more confident than ever about capturing the Republican nomination after the former president secured a 30-point win in the Iowa caucuses on Monday. Trump won 51% of the vote in Iowa, giving him the largest margin of victory in the history of the state's Republican caucuses. Ron DeSantis, the Florida governor, secured a distant second place, finished with 21% of the vote. While Nikki Haley, a former South Carolina governor and U.N. ambassador, trailed in third place with 19%. Trump's history-making victory in Iowa intensified skepticism that any of his opponents will be able to overtake him in the Republican primary. Despite the 91 felony counts against him, Trump has maintained a consistent and significant lead in the 2024 U.S. race, and the Iowa results underscored his enduring popularity with the Republican base. Next up for Trump, DeSantis, and Haley... New Hampshire, where President Donald Trump is leading the race by huge margins. The New Hampshire Bulletin reports, Defying the wishes of the Democratic National Committee, Secretary of State Dave Scanlon announced Wednesday that New Hampshire will hold its 2024 presidential primaries on January 23rd, the first state in the country scheduled to do so. Speaking at a press conference flanked by Republican and Democratic state party leaders, Scanlon said the primary date would fulfill New Hampshire's tradition and statutory requirement that the state hold the first in the nation primary. He said if you have a childhood dream of growing up to be president of the United States, you can try and make that a reality in New Hampshire. That fact, after all, is the purest form of the American dream. The announcement puts New Hampshire Democrats at odds with the Democratic National Committee, whose members voted in February to approve a primary calendar that advocated for South Carolina taking the first primary position on February 3rd. That calendar saw New Hampshire and Nevada sharing the second position on February 6th. The shuffle was made after criticism among Democrats about New Hampshire and Iowa's lack of diversity compared to the rest of the country. State Democratic leaders had vowed that New Hampshire would hold its primary before other states regardless of the DNC's decision. Wednesday's announcement makes that official. New Hampshire's January 23rd voting day will be a rogue primary, a status that could lead to the National Party penalizing Democratic presidential candidates who campaign here by reducing the number of New Hampshire delegates they receive at the party nomination convention in August. President Joe Biden, who is running for re-election, will not appear on the Democratic primary ballot after declining to file last month, citing New Hampshire's lack of compliance with the DNC calendar that he had proposed. Democratic supporters have launched a write-in effort to make him the state's nominee anyway. Democratic and undecided voters say it feels like the DNC is punishing New Hampshire for overlooking our first in the nation's status, but others say they trust the process. The Democratic National Committee deemed this New Hampshire primary meaningless and said no delegates will be given out based on the results from the first in the nation primary. And reaction from Democratic and undecided voters is mixed. DNC promotes free and fair and open elections, right? So why are they depriving New Hampshire of having a fair, free, and open election? The DNC has, I'm sure, good reasons for their decisions and how they're going about the election cycle. Now the DNC is saying to punish us for, for going against them 
and essentially not going against them, it's going against Joe Biden. President Biden's name will not be on the ballot. The president chose not to register here in alignment with the DNC's calendar that set South Carolina first. But there is a write-in effort underway. They talk about uh, that he's running unopposed. And he's not running unopposed. She's been campaigning since March. Meantime, Democratic challengers Dean Phillips and Marianne Williamson, both running long shot campaigns, met with voters at events across the state today, since Democrats did not hold an in-person caucus today in Iowa. They can take away the delegates from the candidates. They can't take away the significance of the New Hampshire primary. The way that you practice democracy in New Hampshire is world class, literally world class. And I just wish the entire country recognized it. And I sure wish the Democratic National Committee recognized it, because what they've done to this state and all of you is an injustice. And Despite the DNC not recognizing the New Hampshire primary, voters we spoke with stressed the importance of still coming out to vote and exercising that right. Guys, the reality is this. Just because Trump wins a state primary uh, doesn't mean that he'll win the state's general election in November. This is why we, we all keep saying that every vote counts. This is why we keep saying that this is the most important presidential election of our lifetime. This is why we keep pushing for every single Republican, whether or not you're a Trump fan, to get out there and vote. If you need more proof that every vote counts, just take a look at what our country has become since Biden won in 2020. It does not take a genius to see that elections matter. My prepper brothers and sisters, elections matter. They really do. Each and every one of us needs to register to vote in our state immediately. Don't wait. Do it now. Take a look at the primaries and the caucuses calendar. Choose your location and lock it into your schedule. Make sure you schedule to leave work early that day or take the entire day off. Okay? Gather all of your required documents for your state's voting rules ahead of time so that you are 100% prepared before you go to vote. On the scheduled day that your state holds its primary elections or its caucus, get down there early. Wait in line. Doesn't take long. Go in. Cast your vote. Elections matter, including primaries and caucuses. Stay prepped, stay happy. Thanks for listening, and good night.